0: Welcome back to the Remembering Ethan podcast. I'm Chris Tafoya. My guest today is Doug Bale, who is a singer, songwriter, guitarist, and graphic artist. I first met Doug um, right after I met Alan Chadwick because he was his roommate at the time. And Alan had given me an EP of his to listen to, and there was a song on there uh, that I really liked a lot. And as time went on, Uh, eventually Ethan and Tony started performing with Doug in his band Murgatron. They played several shows, and Doug was in the scene with all of us and also did a lot of uh, graphic art for the musicians in that circle, and uh, he designed the CD cover for the first Chris Tafoya band uh, album. It's been a lot of years since I've spoken with Doug, and it was great to catch up with him. Uh, See what he's up to nowadays and to hear his thoughts about his time with Ethan. So here's my conversation with Doug. I hope you enjoy it. Doug Bale. How are you doing? Christopher. I'm good, Mr. Tafoya. How are you? I'm doing well man. uh, It's been a long time since I've seen you. Yes, it has. Uh, It's been a long time. uh, And um, yeah, it's been a long time. Good to hear you, Royce. Good to see you here. Yeah, dude. You know, um, when I think of Ethan and the people I wanted to talk to, you are definitely one of the first people that popped into my mind because you were around when I first met him. And you even helped me design the cover for my for that first album that we recorded at Sugar Daddy's there. And um, wow, Sugar Daddy's. (laughs) I don't even remember which I don't
1: even remember which bar that was or what it was before. Usually I can be like spout off the history of each building. But yeah, Sugar Daddy's. Was that in Tempe? Where was Sugar daddies? I don't Oh, It remember. was in
0: Scottsdale, not over by where the uh, Dos Gringos Scottsdale is, but right off Scottsdale Road and I forget the cross street. Uh, I think there was a, like a date farm or a place that sold dates across the street from it. I, you know, um, talking to people from Phoenix. They, a lot of them mentioned these venues that I'm like, oh, that's right. You know, I, you know, I, for, I forget a lot of them when you leave a place. I mean, I haven't been there for 10 years. You know yeah. when, before I met you Alan gave me a copy of the Murgatron EP and I <laughs> I don't I never expressed to you or or sat down and talked to you uh, a whole lot back then but man I was just I love the song Jesse outside thank you I mean I was just real so when I met you I was pretty intimidated by you man I don't I don't know if you ever picked up on that but I was just like man this guy's such a good songwriter so Oh, that's super nice of you
1: to say. I never picked up on that. You guys were all players, and you know, I was trying to do the original music thing. And uh if anything, uh I, I after time's gone by, I've realized kind of I was kind of a snotty, a little bit snobby, maybe, but I, I but probably not. I loved all you guys and I love uh I just love music kind of like Ethan did. I just like absolutely happy to be a part of music or any scene and uh thanks for thanks for those kind words about those songs that was a fun time it's fun writing songs
0: the whole ep man and you know i listened to your um to your podcast episode with Brian Chartrand am i saying his last name correctly chartrand yeah 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 thank you yeah he that and was it, fun oh dude it was fun and it and there's a lot of things from that um where i developed some of my questions you know some things that i was reminded of but you mentioned on there how uh, you can hear your music on bandcamp and I've got my music on bandcamp as well. So I went on there and I listened to the E to your EP and alternatives. And is it more than miles? Yeah.
1: More than miles. Yeah, yeah. I did, I did kind of like, I don't know what I was doing. We're all you I was trying to just keep writing music and I did a semi-live recording in my house and then overdubbed. It's pretty wobbly, but I think that's you know hopefully they're good songs and it you know that's what you're trying to do just write songs and and play
0: they are man you know when you're checking out a new artist and you put it on and you'll listen to the first 20-30 seconds and like okay and you go to the next track just to kind of get a sense of it i left it play the whole thing man i just really reminded me how how much i dig your style and your voice and your songwriting and um even now i appreciate it more than i did back then because i haven't heard those songs for so long you know and I listened to Jesse three times because I just that <laughs> hook, Jesse, change yeah. is so good, just so good. Uh, what what do you so want? nice so of you what? to say?
1: I was a, I was a Tempe boy. I wanted to be Dead Hot Workshop meets Gloritone, so we, I was oh, trying. Man.
0: I hear the influence <laughs> in there, man. It re, it reminds me of those times, you know. But it's also yeah. a tune that I could hear that someone could put out today. I feel I, it's held up really well over the years. Um, And at at the end of our interview, we'll um, give out the information for other people who want to check it out, too. So what are you up to nowadays? What are you doing now? Well, I've always been
1: dabbling. I'm still writing songs. I have I've had a few recording projects that are up on Spotify. um, And I always want to write songs. I haven't been playing out live for quite some time. I got to the point there where I was kind of like singing for my dinner, getting paid to sing. And then I I actually started playing some covers just because if you have three sets, you got to fill. And it was fun. It was fun to learn covers. I realized, Holy cow, this, this is going to help me be a better musician, but that was, you know, even 10 years ago. And then I've just been doing some sales jobs, been trying to keep, keep doing art, support my hobby or, you know, have one support the other. Um, and uh, I've been painting a lot and I've I've done a, a book. It was a it was a chat book where I did the illustrations with a with a with a poet from Phoenix. Uh, so I always try to keep the creative stuff going, but you know, I'm I'm working just day jobs, been doing working from home sure. <laughs> on, well, on,
0: on the phone, doing Zoom calls. Well, maybe it's going to be a Bukowski type thing, man. Where what didn't he get discovered like at 52 or something like that? I mean, he, he was just like working for the post office for the first half of his life and then became this famous artist all of a sudden.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that, um, I'm blanking out, but yeah, like, uh, cause like I'm like, I love Bukowski, but I'm like, wow, oh, that's yeah. the wrong hero. That's the wrong hero to pick. But, <laughs> his, right. art, his art his art's great so all of these compliments man thank you yeah someday I think right now it's just like the joy of doing it you know I sure. think that you're you're a teacher now still and you know it's just it's just every day trying to trying to do something you like to do and then taking care of business and so I've been pre- I'm grateful I've been pretty lucky I still I just got this little like a uh, digital four-track machine and it's amazing, and I, I still get to do little songs and record, and I have recording projects. And I can tell you about those if you want to hear them. Sure, yeah, we can get into that. that. Let me see that thing again. What is that? It's a boss. It's amazing. It's like, remember the old Walkmans we used to have in junior high or high school or college, maybe for you? It's no bigger than the smallest Walkman, but it's got like 24 tracks at least, and I'm just learning, relearning how to four track. I never, I've never liked using a computer. This thing I can just, it's a, it's called the boss, the Boss micro BR 80. And Chris, this thing's insane. It's like 200, $300 and you can just go to town with
0: it. No, that's a handy little gadget though, man. I'm going to check that out. You know, I've got the whole, uh, you know, set up in my studio. Yeah. And the interfaces and this and that, and then Alan, uh gave away all his gear did you hear about that have you talked to alan recently i haven't every once in a while he swoops in and we
1: all text each other but last time he texted me he was like texting me from new york and i just figured he's like running some company or designed the the united states defense computer system or i i mean i he's probably still playing music to some degree i wish he was doing whatever he wanted because i know he loves music too so
0: well, I I did interview <laughs> him, and uh, when his episode comes out, check it out because he catches everybody up on what he's doing nowadays. But um, yeah, is he up? Is he up north? He's in Portland, right? Or he was. Yes. Yep, he's living yeah. there now. Yeah. And he's got a, a pretty cool job, and uh, he talks about all that. But what was the reason that I brought Alan up, though? Oh, when he. Um, oh, gear. Yeah, when he moved, he decided to kind of like. Get rid of that stuff because it was dragging him down because he wasn't using it. And he was looking at it, feeling yeah. bad about it. So he gave most of his gear to his buddies in Phoenix. And he sent me like all these preamps and microphones. I mean, it's just yeah, very generous. Nice. Stuff you. So, but then began the journey of me having to learn how to use all that stuff. You know, it's just like a little overwhelming, but it's fun. But that bet that, that little machine you have probably keeps it pretty simple. Which uh I gotta it.
1: keep it simple, man. Uh yeah. and then uh yeah, it it's like a it's like a really nice sketch pad, but uh um you know, it's uh it it's exactly what I need. It's like not too hard to figure out and, and the quality on it it's insane. And and I don't even know how to mix stuff really that well on it, but mm-hmm. Uh, after the thing, I'll just shoot you a little sketch I made that was fun. But like, uh, yeah, I recommend it to anybody who just wants a. Stick. It's a great recorder for live. It's got built-in mics and then you can plug in and it's got all these amp presets. So it's even got vocal effects.
0: So it's just, really? it's pretty elaborate for what it is. Yeah. Dude, the technology on gear now is just insane. I've replaced all my amplifiers with a little foot pedal. And I've got like seven different, yeah. <laughs> I mean,
1: it's insane. Are you still, are you still playing shows out or every um, once in a while? Or?
0: Yeah. Every here and there, yeah. um, pre pandemic. And then when the pandemic hit, obviously I, yeah. uh, but what was good about that, um, cause everybody kind of has like a little bit of a silver lining when we went into isolation, right. And you had more time to yourself. I just started writing a ton of songs and uh, working on music. So I've I've really just been focusing on original music. I did a gig this summer, a cover gig. And man, if you don't use it, you lose it. I mean, I was in the middle of Beatles, yeah, it's, tunes, it's, like it's, where, what court? I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> where am I? <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: I, I kind of, well, I, I stopped. I don't know, but like, but then I always seem to come back. So hopefully I can get back into the gym. Sure.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: I can't really sing that well at all. I, I don't know if I ever sang that well to begin with, but like uh, I can still play most anything. But to a Dude, degree,
0: <laughs> we're all our own worst. We're all our own worst critics. Yeah. And your voice is awesome. Yeah. You shouldn't. Yes. Well, thank you. Job. I know it's hard for you to believe. It's hard for me to believe when people tell me the same thing. I get it. But um, yeah, I hope you keep at it, man. So, you know, a good I guess a good place to start with Ethan is how you met him. You remember? Um, that's a good question.
1: I, I, let me scan my brain. I know it was the cover band situation. I moved into Alan's, and I was automatically introduced to a whole rep like sure. roster of interchangeable cover band people. So I met Ethan pretty early on. I mean, I knew Alan since way back in his chat. Well, I'm I'm bringing up Alan first. Uh, I knew Alan um, in the Chadwick days, and I met Tony, uh, dang it, Tony King first, because Tony was subbing in on some gigs, and and you brought up Brian Chartrand's podcast, please go listen to Tony King's, too, it's hilarious. I'm planning you know, on it. Uh, yeah, Gary Sanchez used to pay Tony in, like, free beer Like Gary didn't want to, Gary was always late for gigs. So he'd pay Tony to go do the first set. (laughs) And then Chadwick's like, what the fuck, man? I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole nother podcast. But um, (laughs) so I probably met Ethan pretty early on because Alan was in a couple bands with him once he kind of branched out from the Chadwick's and Alan, you know, Alan and Ethan go hand in hand for me. I was living with Alan and I knew Alan pretty early on we lifeguarded together way back in college days but once I met Ethan it was like instant supportive you know Alan had a rehearsal room in that house and you know Ethan was probably there and they were you know I was just like a you know hey these are these these guys do what I want to do they're already doing it they're making money a little bit different I you know I was like kind of my material is precious and I'm an original songwriter and but it didn't matter. I'm not, I don't really present like that guy. And I just like glommed on, I went and saw their shows. Uh, I was kind of just blown away by Ethan's like energy. And uh, I mean, at first I I just was like, that's, that's a fun guy. He's a fun guy. I didn't know really the depth and the like, you know, inverted pyramid or whatever you want to say, like the pyramid at Ethan, you meet him. And then like, there's all this depth underneath him. So like, Uh, it was probably those cover band days in that Tempe house on LaDonna with at Alan's house. That's where I met him. And then, and then you go out and see him play the first time you see him play. You're like, Oh, this guy, this guy's effort, effortless. And he's just having such a good time. He just, it was, it, there was no, like, I never really saw like a transition in his personality. Like for me, it's like, I'm crabby or I'm bipolar or this or that. And, you know, I I wasn't always around Ethan, but when I was, it was like seamless. He was just full of joy and kicking butt and playing and positive. And so that that's where I first met him in that first couple cover bands. And I actually did a little graphic design for them, too, because I was just trying to do stuff like that for their band Tate. Mm -hmm. Remember that band Tate? I do. (laughs) Yeah, I've talked to Tony. Tony, Tony Allen. Todd and Ethan
0: (laughs) Uh, just fun times yeah Tony was (laughs) Tony was poking fun at that too because in his new project JTM three it's J Tony Matt and there's three of them Uh (laughs) and he goes yeah Yeah. man, we're not and I told him I told him it's a good thing you guys all have uh names that start with cool letters because if they all started with a Q or something like that it might be weird but um (laughs) wouldn't work well, so what was the first uh, project you guys got in together and how did that come to be?
1: Yeah, so that all of a sudden, you know, Alan's like, hey, I don't know, you just hang out and and kind of like you being so complimentary. I didn't know. I couldn't really figure it out. I was just excited. Somebody wanted to play in Murgatron or one of my bands. And immediately, Ethan was gushing he was like oh i'll play in your band he just would like say it like with such confidence and joy and just matter of fact hey i will play with you anytime anywhere i love your songs i love this song and i was, it, he was just so positive and supportive and for like an insecure songwriter which is pretty much you know 98 of songwriters or maybe not anymore but like uh he was just it didn't matter he was just a positive vibe guy and then he could back it up with great playing i had this thing though went early on where i'm like fender and like i i thought aesthetically if you played a, a weird bass or he had more of a techie bass i had all these preconceptions in my head like ah you're not you might not be the right fit but he could play any style and i was just like oh shut up and he would he he jumped in with Murgatron. We weren't making money, but he said, I'll play anytime anywhere with you, man. I was like, so he just he just kind of sat with Murgatron gigs sometimes because I never really got the set band together with Murgatron that I wanted, or whatever the Doug Vale songwriting hour
0: mm-hmm. show. <laughs> so now Tony King would, would he play some of those shows with you, wouldn't he?
1: Yeah, Tony would play. Uh, he he'd play shows with me, and then um, uh, a lot of people from cover bands and stuff would mix in. And uh, Ethan played on that alternatives EP, which you know I was trying to make it work out, but you know it's just kind of a kind of a Frankenstein recording that I did with this one guy but you know it sounds pretty good and Ethan's playing is always wonderful and then yeah like that's the thing no matter what you're doing Ethan was always super supportive especially you know playing with you or doing recordings you're just like it's a no-brainer he's not some guy that's going to come in all moody and and cause problems he was a pro as far as I could tell like he was already a pro he was already one of the best base players in town. And he's just like a blast to hang out with. And I'm like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. And then, and then later on, you know, as our friendship grew, he was just like this bizarrely supportive person. Uh Like I'm not trying to overdo it or gush, but he's, there's just not a lot of people like him who instantly he's, he's gonna, he, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to explain it. Not, there's not a lot of people like that who are, I mean, maybe he was shitty to other people, but he was just never, <laughs> he
0: was just always, like, super supportive guy. Everyone I've spoken with, man, that I've talked to, um, I haven't heard any situations where he was shitty with anyone, you know, because I'll, I'll ask people, you know, one of the questions that I that we may or may not get to, but, you know, I'll ask people, what did you notice about the way Ethan treated people, you know, that either that yeah. you knew or that you didn't know, and it's just consistently everyone the same, everyone with respect, encouraging, exciting, generous with his time, made everyone feel good all the time. Even when he was going through dark times, he managed. Yeah. That's the thing. I never heard him. I, I never knew there were
1: dark times and which is kind of foolish. I'm older now. I know everybody's got a shadow and everybody is a full thing, but he had that missed almost mythical level of being able to, uh, be that nice guy but don't don't mistake it he was able to stand his own and you Mm -hmm. know uh when you hear about a really nice guy he also had that ability i've always wanted to be like no motherfucker like that's fucked up like he would he would also call shit out and but Mm -hmm. in a really positive like clear way and i was like who is this guy like um i don't know that just popped in my mind like really supportive people, really friendly, but also very, uh, assertive, determined. And like, he was able to have kind of this sort of morality, maybe that's not the right word, but he, he would, his energy would shift things positively in a way that I admire where if things got negative, if he wouldn't just let it uh, build up, he'd say, he'd kind of put his foot down and go, look, dude, he, he'd let you know if something was fucked up or or, I don't know, it's kind of like a Tom Sawyer thing. It was like,
0: whatever Ethan's doing, it's fun and it's positive and you want to kind of hang out with him. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're talking about and you're the first one to kind of bring that up, you know, how he he was able to stand his ground with uh, style and grace and you had he no... Didn't, he didn't really give a shit, like, it no. didn't matter who you no. are, but he wasn't ever rude. He was just always
1: right. positive. He's like, dude, you're full of shit if you were.
0: And <laughs> that's a- and I admired that. I admired that too, man. You know, I wish that I would have been able to pull it off as smooth as he did. He was really good at that. It's true. Yeah. I mean,
1: I mean, the, the, the world of being in business for yourself is one thing, but like the world of being a musician in bars and like trying to create your own environment and always be consistent. I mean, I admired that in him and, uh, as I was playing more and more gigs for money and it's, it's lonely. It's a tough, it's a tough grind. Cause you're like, I'm in this new spot. I don't know anybody. Ah, maybe I'll have a drink. I mean, anxiety, yeah. uh, you know, lots of jobs give you anxiety, but I, I don't mean to say, I mean the sheer joy and gratitude and luck to be able to play music for people. That's amazing. But it's also a tough grind and uh, you know, I never, As far as that, those times when I was hanging with him,
0: it was just always a good time and always that positive energy, you know? And you're right. You don't come across people like that very often at all, if at all in your life. He was very special in that way.
1: Once, once I got to know him, he started sharing all this stuff and, you know, I was trying to be that alternative, not emo, it was before emo, but like more plaintive you know kind of sad lyrics or or exposed lyrics i wasn't like rock and roll guy and i thought that was corny or whatever and i realize now full circle it's all great all music but like he came up to me and he made a point to let me know you know i played nirvana and high you know like all these stories about when he was in high school was it in payson or prescott up in northern arizona and i was just like holy shit I'm like, holy shit, this guy knew. I was jealous of that too. Like he knew there was just no, there was never a question. I am a musician. And and he just, you know, kind of like Deacon Blues. He bought the, he already bought the dream. Like he's already in, like that's what he's going to do. And he's, and, and, you know, shame on you or I'm happier than, you know, 90% of these motherfuckers out there. He just knew what he wanted to do. And I admire people that are all in on what they want to do.
0: I agree. You yep. now he um, he was known for doing acoustic gigs with anyone who would bat their eyes at him. Did you guys ever end up doing acoustic gigs together? Ah, oh, fuck! Uh, I don't think we did. I,
1: I later on. I mean, there's kind of like Tempe days and Phoenix days. When I was in Tempe, he played electric bass with me and he'd play on recordings and he'd jam with me anytime but we didn't really do much acoustic work uh because once I started playing kind of like my guitar and my songs by myself I would mostly do my shows just by myself but um yeah I didn't I didn't really do any kind of like trios or acoustic stuff with him. I don't think, I mean, there's, there's so many gigs I did do with him that I can remember like Mesa community college. Like I just knew he'd be there and he'd know my songs. Mm -hmm. And he'd play them um, and he'd play them better than me. And (laughs) there's a funny story where he's like, I don't want that Doug Bale look like if I thought I heard him miss a note, he said, I would give him this, like suicide look like all angry at him and i don't even ever remember doing that but it makes sense and i'm the one messing up my own songs not him so Uh,
0: that's usually usually the way it goes mike mercer talked about that one of his cd release parties (laughs) he was playing with ethan and he was so worried that everyone else was going to mess up that he goofed up one of his own tunes that happens (laughs) um you know, before I move on from something else, you know, just the gigs that you played with them, you mentioned that you guys played a lot of gigs together. Um, And before we get in, well, actually, before that, I wanted to ask you, you know, when, since you were so protective of your music and your vision, were there any times where Ethan had uh, suggested, you know, perhaps a different chord or a change or a way that can make your song better? Or was that something that, you you know you weren't open to was he able to do that Ethan was a Ethan was a smart
1: guy and I think he was emotionally intelligent more so than deceptively because he doesn't come off as an arrogant like person at all but he was so emotionally intelligent I think he saw my insecurities and he just was like he always defaulted to me which was not the norm in in and I don't know what it was whether it's true or he was just he he always expressed to me how much he wanted to play with me and how great he thought my songs were. And I was like, it, it, and uh, I don't, I know he, he musically, he was technically much better than me, way different level in, and uh, maybe he would make a suggestion, but he was always super deferential, which, which was pretty surprising, was pretty, because at that time I'm like, I, gonna make a call what the bass player should play i'm gonna make a call even what the drummer should do and that doesn't always fly and and not a lot of musicians want to do that they want to play what they hear and what they want and and at the beginning i was really like you know it's the doug bale show because i i have my secret sauce and i i know what i want he kind of deferred to me uh which was very nice because he was uh, uh way more accomplished
0: technical musician than I still am so yeah he was amazing on his instrument Um, you know from all those gigs that you guys played together uh, are there any specific gigs that stick out in your mind I mean you mentioned the Mesa Community College one but um, are there any gigs that you know rise above the others in your mind in your memories it it's tough because with Ethan he's all he's so
1: consistent you don't you don't you just know you're having fun yeah and uh, I have a lot of memories of watching him a little bit more, but I remember playing like Yucca Tap Room, and he's just having fun and he's locking it down. And, you know, no matter what mood I was in, sometimes I was in a good mood. Mostly I was probably just like in a panic attack or something, just, you know, trying to be a, in a band or a singer songwriter. And like, he was just super consistent, having fun and uh, you know, having it, he wasn't like glomming on. He was doing his own thing. He would. Ethan is the kind of person that would just instantly have a friend or or his own thing happening. He's just so uh, able to to be with. He's a he's a people person, which isn't always the case with musicians. So I just remember, you know, I'm not the luxury of like the bass is going to be locked down. This guy's a pro. I'm going to sound better than I usually do or This is going to be a good gig, and um, I mean, I remember Yucca Tap Room, but but it was like a musical chairs. I don't think Murgatron ever technically had a set roster for most of its run, so mm-hmm. um, I, I don't mean to talk more about my myself, but um, oh, dude, it's fine. I mean, it's all blended together, it's like a really nice it's a, it's a really nice feel when you remember Ethan, like, you know, it's all blended together with going to shows and being an honorary, honorary, honorary member of every cover band that Alan and and Ethan were doing. They were always welcoming in and the music was always good. And it was, it was different because they were always having fun on stage. And I was, I kind of came from that place where I thought, you know, the pixies or this band or that they're they're not they're having fun but it's about their their songwriting or whatever but i was never like worried about the crowd or anything but so i remember when you play a gig with ethan i might be stuck in my little i'm an art guy and he'd be over there just dancing around (laughs) and and loving the whole show and, and smiling at you like a big goofy smile on his face but still like checking in with you. So, you know, it was, it was the whole,
0: yeah, it's pretty rare. (laughs) Well, I remember about those smile. I know exactly what you're talking about when he check in with you, (laughs) and he, he'd get in your face with those big blue eyes and those huge dimples. Yeah. That was
1: a look right there. That was a look. (laughs) Almost, almost fucking with you. Almost fucking with you. Like, dude, relax. Like you're awesome. And you're just like,
0: (laughs) and he's just like, "Ah." this is amazing <laughs> you hit on something that clicked with me and that is the fact that you know because every so far the people I've spoken to I think you're number 10 or 11 but I'll ask that question you know is there any particular gig that sticks out in your mind and every person you just parroted the exact same response I get which is ah oh, wow you know <laughs> and and I think about it so I'm like what and what you said was that just the fact that he was so consistent with his energy and his performances and his personality that yeah. I, can, I It makes sense to me now, after speaking to several people, why it would be hard to pick up you know, any particular gig because they were all fun when you played with them.
1: He he becomes kind of the atmosphere. So, like, I can remember good times and bad times. Sometimes I, you remember, like, the fucked up gigs more, but they were never fucked up with him. Right. So I maybe that's a part of it. Like, you're like, oh, man, the drummer man that drummer you know hey we we all we all are having a good time but why did you do all of this certain stimulant type drug before we we're playing because our tempos are so off you know like you remember kind of some fucked up stories Right. <laughs> and uh uh no i'm not bringing up anybody in particular but that situation and or you know and uh and again usually you're like you know you're messing up you're you're more worried about everybody else messing up and forgetting that you're messing up too but he was just like solid as a rock even recordings he's just all about a positive vibe and uh it 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 is kind of rare and it's really hard to pull off without being corny he was never corny it was just like pure joy
0: You know, in all that time that you played with them, what type of less, well, not necessarily lessons, but like, what kind of an influence did he have on the way you play and how you approach music or your instrument? That's an an
1: awesome question. And I keep kind of coming back to this mystical thing, like I'd want to be, he would, I mean, he was kind of a Bodhisattva. He was kind of like a, of a, of a mind over matter guy. Like every time I interacted with him, he's like, you already, you're already better than he would just give me like I actually went to him to for bass lessons because I can play most things by ear but I have no technical and I can write songs and I have a creative ability but I was gonna play bass in, in a friend's band and I'm like who could and I'm like immediately thought of Ethan he'll be kind he's a good teacher and he's great and he taught me some things on bass he's like look Doug I'm not, I don't need to teach you how to play bass. You can already play bass. And I was like, what? And I'm like, no, I, I want you to, I want the person who's not going to lie to me. Like, what am I doing wrong on the bass? It's a different type of energy and job in a band. I'm like, nope. He's like, you already, what you're doing, I want to play more like you. And I'm like, what? Like, he'd just say these interesting things where he'd, he'd hype you up, but it, it didn't seem like bullshit. And he showed me, Some he just cut to the chase too. He's like, "Look, here's a trick. Here's the, and I'm gonna screw this up because it's uh, kind of a what is it? I don't even know how to call it. It's the one. The um, well yeah, it's it, but it's theory. It's like it's like uh, bar bar chord theory, right? Like cowboy chord theory. And I don't even, I never even knew that. And he's like, "Look, check this out." And he showed me like how to find relative notes pretty quickly on the bass and i was like fuck and then all of a sudden i, I felt like overwhelmed like wow this is like going to open a key like a mind opening for me like and and i just remember him you know you know you don't need to come for another lesson here this is all you need you you're he was just super supportive and hopefully he wasn't you know blowing smoke maybe he's like yeah you can play by ear don't worry about it but he, I only took like one bass lesson from him. Like I don't think he charged me. I'm like I want to pay you because I appreciate your time and you're at a, at a good level, a great level of bass playing. And uh, and he, he, uh, he did that thing where he just inspired me to trust myself. And then he was very kind to reinsure me. Look, you're you're already super talented you're you're gonna you're not gonna mess up the bass <laughs> yeah. i mean i think most people kind of rip on the bass like oh you don't know how to play music play the bass just get in there hit the roots but uh you know he, he you know i also remember a time when we were recording and he's just like hyping me up to the engineer doug doug he, he unconsciously writes pop songs and they always are three minutes long, like. It's like he has an internal clock where he's not going to write a song longer than three minutes because he writes, he can write these amazing pop songs. And I was just like, so my, there's some truth to what he's saying, but the way he would share it and the way he would hype me up, I mean, I remember all that as far as a musician. And that's, that's, there's a lot of selfish musicians out there. I'm probably one of them where I'm like, we're doing it my way. I don't, and I'm sizing you up or whatever. And, I've got my ego on my shoulder. There's never, ever, I've never saw any ego with, with Ethan. And I think that's like, oh, that's what we're all striving for. If we don't, if we want to get corny or mystical, he was kind of a, a Bodhisattva guy. I don't know. And, you know, just kind of like a a really supportive giving entity. <laughs> yeah. And I've always, i have always, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the, with the Buddhism and Bodhisattva, but like, Someone who uh can can pause their own attainment, their own enlightenment to help the Buddha or you become what you want to be. So, I mean, you're a teacher. Maybe he he probably did teach lessons, but I, I imagine he was as good or a better teacher than he was a musician.
0: So uh Mike Mercer said he had a teacher's soul, you know, and he really did. Yeah. And, that's and good, yeah. And it wasn't the type of teaching where sit down, let me show you. It was by example and it was by yeah. comments and things like, you I I used to bring Ethan into my classroom to talk to my students about music and his career and you know what it is. Yeah. And he was just, man, it was awesome to watch him because he was just so great with the kids and they, con- they connected with him so well and he would play his bass and he'd, you know, bring all these little shakers and stuff and you'd have the whole class doing songs and yeah, and he would explain music to them in a way that I don't think that it would be hard to, you know, and I wanted to go back to something you were talking about, like when you went to him for bass lessons, did he ever uh, turn you on to that Victor Wooten book?
1: You know, I started to think about that, actually. I don't know whether it was him or another friend of mine who played bass, but I did read that Victor Wooten book and it's that same vibe of that yes. mystical guy, Victor meets. Oh. Where he's like, watch, watch this. I'm gonna do this in the crowd. Yeah, the crowd's gonna go nuts. Like Victor Wooten talks about this mystical person he met in Nashville who could who knew the energy levels of things. And Ethan, Ethan was that guy, probably even more so, but he was such a he was a friendly magician and he was he was good. It's, it's like that Victor Vute vibe from that book. Yeah, that's a yeah, good call.
0: Even when Ethan was alive, I likened him to the character Michael, to the fictional character Michael in Victor's book because, um, you know, Ethan would, and, you know, much like Michael, he would just kind of pop up out of nowhere sometimes and just yeah. lay this knowledge on you. That was so simple yet so powerful, you know, he was yeah. really good, good at that. And, you know, and the other thing, you know, how he told you when you came to him, I'm not giving you lessons. You already know how to play bass. You know, you know. when I went, there was a, in 2013, I went to his house for a week and I set up a studio in his room, in his um, living room. And all these guys came over and I recorded a ton of tracks that, I'm, that I still plan on using today. And I was showing Ethan some of the songs because uh, I wanted him to play on them. And he goes, man, I'm not playing bass on this song. Your bass playing on this is already so good. You're playing but, bass. Yeah, he goes, yeah. you're playing the bass on this song. You're... I'm a bass player and you're a bass player, Chris. And this is great. Blah, blah, blah. And and at this, and just like you, I'm like, what? I yeah, yeah, dude, but you're up here. He goes, Man, I wish I I wish I'd have thought of this idea. I want to play like you on this song. So why don't you just leave it? Because it's what I would want to do on this song anyway. <laughs> I was like, wow. He was real good yeah. at that, man. Um, so you know, I I listened. I was telling you earlier that I listened to your interview with Brian, and I learned a lot about you. And two things stuck with me. Number one is a newfound appreciation for Steely Dan. <laughs> oh, my God. Your in-depth conversation with Brian got me really thinking. And I went and started listening to some of their music. And, was, and some of their creepy lyrics, too. was like, what? Okay. I see yeah. what you're talking about there. But I was also reminded of your um, sense of humor and your quick wit you know, you're really good at coming up with quick one-liners and involve prior knowledge of a certain subject, you know, and Ethan was also so intelligent yeah, and he was... so quick. I mean, were you two able to match each other's wit and humor?
1: Yeah. We had a good time with that. And it, it's, it falls back to the same exact thing. He would just, he would just, he'd, he'd match me. He could probably, you know, at that time too, you're also like, you're a younger guy and you're, trying to your ego is just in full bloom and trying to figure like out a nice way to say it uh you know nigher knowledge of a prior that's a really interesting way you put it did you say knowledge of a prior subject or
0: yeah you had to have a certain level of knowledge of of, a prior and all kinds of different yeah uh Subjects, you know, like yeah, you got to know who Chomsky is, who Bukowski is, or you know <laughs> the Pixies, or some obscure record from yeah. You know,
1: that's part of that's part of the that's part of the bullshit of that blooming ego, because. But but yeah, and and there's probably tons of times where it was fine, and I wasn't being an asshole. But like, Ethan could hang it just fine, and he he would always defer, and he would you know, you brought up Bukowski. I guess I gave him a Bukowski book and said, Hey, you should check this out. And, and I was that guy. And I guess now you can kind of call it gatekeeping. I don't think I was a gatekeeper, like, you know, Oh, you haven't heard of this. I was hopefully always sharing it, but there's a little bit of that. That's just nonsense, like talking shop. Like you can, it can translate to any situation, like what gear you're using, you know, or what, you know, kind of like this, uh, pseudo masculinity of like or toxic masculinity of like i i know more than you but uh ethan it it just was never like that it was always sharing and then he like he would i guess you know it's tough and it's surreal that he's not here it doesn't make any sense but uh it is what it is in all those like facebook's an almanac now like there'll be comments that pop up where he's like, Doug, I got to get you your book back. And I'm like, I don't even remember giving you that book in my whole attitude about books has changed. I was always like, you got to get me my shit back that I lent you. Now I'm like, it's, it's, it's on its journey. Like, and, and I gave them like a, a Bukowski book and I'm like, you know, I've even 180 on Bukowski where I'm like, wow, I picked some of the wrong heroes, like, you know, self-destruction and self-loathing, doesn't equal art all the time and i've come full circle where like you know stevie wonder or there's all these different kinds of artists that are just pure joy and that's basically what ethan was but uh, this is a really long-winded answer i even forgot
0: the question <laughs> <laughs> i think i did too <laughs> yeah. i'm just kidding man
1: but well, like i was
0: just I was, I was just asking you what kind of influence he had on you. you know and you were getting into another one of my questions which was you know what kind of music uh, books or movies did you guys share together, you know, or did he turn you on to? You know, what was your common common ground there?
1: Well, I have to bring in kind of, you know, Alan Chadwick introduced me to a couple bands I wasn't necessarily going to get into, I guess. But that's the joy of this whole thing. As long as you're open, you're going to, there's a bigger buffet of joys out there there's like an infinite salad bar of amazing music out there and alan Al, i i've known alan chadwick for a while but he was a certain type of musician like led zeppelin classic rock guitar tone is the most important area in one lane yeah. i mean to a degree and then he introduced me to steely dan and for alan he's like nobody has this tone nobody recorded like this And for me, once I heard Steely Dan, I'm like, holy shit, these lyrics, holy shit, like I just, but, but with Ethan, it was just a, it was more of a, just a good time. And we, we'd kind of shoot the shit about, oh, what are you listening to now? And I, he was more of that open guy, like almost like, tell me what you're listening to, Doug. He'd make you feel good. Like you're a tastemaker. Like, oh, you know, whoa, you know, turn me on to some cool music, Doug. And I'd be like, okay, I'm totally listening to cursive or whatever pre-emo post-punk, whatever alternative crap I was so steeped in. But uh, it's more just like a a vibe and a positive energy in, you know, he he had some pieces that I wish I had an ease about him, a socialness about him. Those are my main. I'm I'm influenced by that, uh, and you know there probably was the Victor Wooten discussion or some discussions, but he he's just he's a pretty rare person as a friend and a, and in a music scene. He's not pushing a, an agenda on you at all, or or taste making or gatekeeping at all yeah
0: Mm -hmm. yeah after you guys um stopped performing together did you keep in in touch pretty well
1: yeah it's insane like we're we're at bats i you know i would he he's like a best friend just add water or like he he's you know instant friend in a box like and i'm not saying that corny or taking away my friendship from him but he like I was at uh what's that place on Indian School? It's kind of the blues. What the fuck is the name of that? Shars has the blues. No, it's is the it other Char's? it's the other one where bad sneakers oh. would play.
0: Yeah. Um and you uh, moved away, so
1: I should know this more than you. Yeah. But
0: there's that well, I, I went to a lot of shows there.
1: Yeah, it's a good, oh, it's God. a great little mid mid-sized venue and it's off Indian School in Phoenix, Arizona. And like blues bands would play there a lot. Uh, I'm just blanking it out,
0: but I was there. Yeah. We're going to remember as soon as we yeah. hang up, we're going to be like, Oh yeah. And I'll put it in the commentary of the podcast. Yeah, take I, your time. I know there's someone listening now, <laughs> like it's obvious.
1: But anywhere you see Ethan, he'd be the silly and playful. And, and I was at bad sneakers. Cause I just, you know, Matt Goodman was my roommate at Allen's and then, matt goodman introduced me to mel brown speak yeah matt goodman introduced me to mel brown and i got to do a book illustrations um, with mel brown who's an amazing bass player if you haven't heard him and they had a band called bad sneakers in matt goodman and mel brown and every that was like a show that players would go to and i'm just there and randomly ethan's there and he's immediately like that smile in my face like he used to do when he was on stage and we have a drink and he's like he's just like lifting me up Doug and it's sincere and he's like so good to see you and there's a picture of us just making goofy smiles so I would see him here and there uh, but I did I kind of fell out of his circle once I moved downtown Phoenix and, and I, I wasn't really going to like the cover band shows as much anymore. Cause you know, of course I was there every week for a while in my youth. Cause that was a good place to meet nice friends and, and, and women who like musicians and, and meet more musicians and everybody's just kind of drinking and having a good time. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Uh, rhythm room rhythm room thank goodness rhythm Rhythm room room. there it is i was i've been thinking too my wheels have been turning (laughs) but i saw him there and then he like bought he's like he's that guy who's just spont. i don't think he ever lost his spontaneity or his joy for life and you're instantly it's magnetic it's like uh he he just had a like a super powerful positive charm he was a charmer so
0: you remember the last gig you guys did together
1: uh unfortunately no i think i think we tried to do that alternatives actually tony king the guy recording that made tony king play these pads he was just obsessed with his gear where he could assign a different drum tone to the pads and he's like no no and tony's like i'm not playing these electric drums (laughs) tony's a purist (laughs) or he was and then like because now he's probably playing a cajon and a, but that's still more real and then Ethan played based on that one. And, and, and the same, same exact story, like drop of a dime. Hey, what's my schedule? You know, in this world, even people who want to hang out with you, it's so hard to coordinate, but I, and I have a feeling this was with everybody. He had such and even more in this day and age, you know, you don't get a text back for a month or something, you know, right there. Yeah. Let's do this. I'm in, here's when I'm available. Like, so we, we we did that alternatives. It was just different. I was like, oh, I, maybe I could get better takes or better versions of songs I'd already written, like performance-wise and recording-wise. And, uh, and uh, I think actually Ethan introduced me to the guy who was recording because that guy came up to Ethan. It was like, you're the best bass player I've ever seen. So like, that's the other thing. Ethan was connected to like everybody and anybody and, and like mystically at all levels and, and all like all I might side more like, oh, aesthetically, this is interesting. He had it all. He's like, aesthetically, that's interesting. Technically you play good. This person's fun. Like he had this broader sense of like a bigger palette of like humanity. It seemed I, i'm probably sounding insane i don't mean to gush but that's that was ethan he was just he was just uh kind of like this go, go-to positive spirit so the last time we hung out creatively was that that and i think that was like i mean it's been a long time it was like late 2000s like 2008 2009
0: because so like alternatives and uh is it more than miles am i getting that title correct yeah alternatives or? was like Maybe well, like a three two thousand ten yeah right was
1: in yeah, around two thousand ten yeah probably I I don't know the exact time so it was like two thousand and ten but then you know the last time I saw him was at the rhythm room in person we'd message here and there and I and you'd hear like oh Ethan's doing this Ethan's doing that and uh oh and you know and he was yeah he was in a lot of he's all you're just like oh Ethan's helping this original band now too like uh, a couple different bands that i saw him you know a part of uh and then just like wow because i i've i'm maybe like you too like where i'm in a corporate job i'm in this job i'm doing a sit like you jump out of that but like i admire people like if ethan was still with us he would have 10 gigs next week you know like I admire a working musician uh, a a lot like my friend Rob Fix or just the musicians. I still know they figure it out. Matt, Matt Goodman, like they're still playing and they're just getting better and better and better, which should give me hope that I don't need to be so hard on myself and maybe, you know, I could still perform or or keep writing songs.
0: (laughs) Oh, you should. I wish you would, man. I'd love to hear it. Speaking of that, do you have any, written are you working on any new music do you well? i I think i
1: just emailed you this br80 like a sketch and i was proud of that but i mean my latest if you go to spotify there's there's a it was a really fun project i did with my friend robbie cohen it's called the original juice boys it's like just a ridiculous name the original juice boys because i stopped drinking and i bring over Robbie wasn't really drinking, but you know, sometimes you play music and you have a beer and you're jamming. I would just bring seltzer water and juice and drink juice, like watered down juice all day instead of beer. And then that became the name, the original juice boys. And we did this project a couple of years ago, actually now, uh, where whatever we did that day had to become a song by the end of the day. So it was more like this creative challenge. And we'd write parts and riffs. And my friend Robbie is such a great songwriter himself. I'd leave. And then later that night, I'd hear the song and let him do the singing. And that's on Spotify. It's called the Original Juice Boys. And we have some pretty interesting songs there. And that was a fun time. So, I mean, that's the latest project I did. And then there was another project called the Flighty Tronies. I can email you links to them. Uh, that's, yeah, that'd be awesome. that's the last thing I sang on. I was like, can I still write a pop song? And uh, it's like a three-song EP called Flighty Tronies. I'll email it to you now. Uh, okay, cool. And God bless Ethan, because this is about him. But he'd be yeah, that's fucking amazing. I, email me. Email me in heaven these songs. <laughs> well, he can hear them. He yeah. already knows them. So like, <laughs> But uh, anyways, so, yeah, I'm still kicking around a little.
0: Speaking of what Ethan would say, because that's totally what – I could hear him saying that too, but yeah, he would, he go ahead. I was going to say, if you had a chance to say something to him, what would it be? I just, I don't know. Like if,
1: if, I mean, I kind of say, I don't want to be corny. I preface stuff because I also know, but that I, I, I gotta be, you know, uh, you know, I, I can't hide from my emotions forever, but like, It's not corny. It's true. Like I would just cry and hug him. I would cry. Like what, when I, when I saw that it was like, you know, a scene from a movie or like a a certain kind of camera angle. I was like, what? Like that, like, wait a minute. There's nothing fun. Like my flow charts all came up like, you know, in the Terminator's head. Is Is this a joke? Is this, is this a joke? Is this humor? Is this real? you know what how old am I how old was he how is this really about Ethan and then I was like fuck COVID and then I was like and then and then it 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 like hit me in waves I was like that guy was like a brother to me like I was like wait a minute and it was like it was a serious like I had to mourn and uh if he if he was around now he'd say hey let's jam like I'd say let's jam let's jam or, or let's put together a gig i'd love to play with ethan again that's what i'd say with him. let's do something creative let's go let's go get a beer let's go like i was waiting tables at denny's for a while there in tempe and they'd all come in you know let's hang out he he is an eternal brother
0: yeah that's a great answer man and and again there's a there's a lot of common themes from that question with people, a lot of people would say, I just want to play with them again, perform with them again.
1: Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of, I romanticize like English pubs and just that ability to let all your cares go and like take the piss out of somebody, be honest with somebody and have an be, have that rapport. You don't have to bring him up, you know, there's people, and God bless us all or whatever, but there's people in your life where you're like, ah, you know, I, I love this person but I'm going to have to like be wary of this. Oh, I hope they're not in a shitty mood or they might bring me down, but I still love you. Ethan never brought me down. And that's just so rare. It's always a plus. There there
0: was nothing you couldn't say to Ethan. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. He, he had that, he had that. I was just going to say, I just, uh, I felt really strongly about what you said because I'm realizing it now that you're right, you know, with your family, with your friends, there's certain topics you don't bring up. There's certain subjects you don't mention yeah. either about yourself or about what you believe. And with Ethan, even if you were opposed to what he believed, you could still tell him and not be afraid to be yourself 100%. And I think that's one of the things I loved about him so much as I could 100% be myself around him. hundred yeah. percent. There was nothing I could not that I would have to withhold from him.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, when 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 he passed i i I was like angry i was angry but like it's nobody's fault you know i was angry at like politics and this and that and i was angry that i couldn't process it with like you or i mean the only person i really processed it with was rob fix and we were both like just silent like i don't want to make myself cry again here but like it's real like that. He was a brother and it's a scary being creative for some reason. I mean, I don't want to sound all socialist, but in capitalism, it's like, are you making money at it? It, it? I don't know. Like some people seem just fine and I'm working towards that. Of like, I create cause I love it and that's it. That's its own reward. But like to have somebody supportive in your life that when you're trying to do what you love that, you know, nobody, nobody could give a shit about, you know, what all this, this thing you poured your guts into, right? Like I poured my guts into playing out in LA and Tempe and Phoenix. And I I don't want to sound bitter or like a quitter, but you know, sometimes you don't get to keep doing it or sometimes it doesn't amount to anything. So anybody along the way that just knew that same thing too, like, I love this. And that, and that, that was Ethan. He was like, hey man, I'm already doing what you want to do, but not, not in a weird way, but like in a positive way. And guess what? You're amazing. And let's do it. And it was like, it was like a, like, just like a, like magnet, it was like a magnet energy thing. Like he was an enzyme, like no, no barriers. Let's, let's go. If anything, you know, come on, push you a little bit. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready to receive any creative shit you're doing. And I was just like, wow, this guy's this guy's
0: cool. <laughs> dude, it's just so amazing to hear how consistent he was, you know, because I mean, he did yeah. the same thing with me, you know, when I met all you guys back then. I had my songs and they were okay and I didn't like them, but I knew I wanted to play music. And yeah, you know, I showed them to him and he and he looked at me and he said, dude, these songs are amazing. Yeah. You know, and it was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. Really? Yeah. He goes, Yes, let's. I will jam with you anytime. Let's go play these songs. I love this song. And he would learn them and he would sing. He would sing them yeah. on in his own shows. Yeah. He would call me and show me that he was singing my songs. And yeah, you're right, man. And it's like we're all our own worst critics and we think we suck. And when someone comes along and says, You don't suck, you're amazing. Yeah. It, it, it endears you to them, you know? People just don't do stuff like that. Yeah, it's,
1: uh, I mean, I never knew his family either. So my logical brain and emotional brain, I mean, I, I, you know, my condolences to his family, his wife, everybody, like, but it's just a given. And that's what I was going to say. And then then that New Times article came out. And I'm like, thank goodness. Thank God. And I, I didn't think anything like that would come out because I, he, he's a Bodhisattva, man. He was just out there on all levels from from a busker. I know he'd go up to a busker and say and just sit there and enjoy it. There was yeah. no, no like spelling flowers. Honestly, yeah. And there was no pretense with this guy. Like and, and then and then like I enjoyed Ethan because he was gonna have a good time. He was having a good time. He lived like that's that's really hard to do in a joyous way. Well, not, I don't, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but there's a theme here of like this, of a, of like a, I, I admire, I admired his ease and his joy and being in the moment and allowing himself to just have a good time and do what he loves. Cause I think, I think a lot of people, we all have to work and we're all just doing what we do. But he just already knew he's going to do what he loves and he loves it. And that love, I guess the right word is love. He just, he loved people and he loved music. And, uh, you know, I, luckily, in I, maybe you plop down anywhere in the world, any city in the world, and you're going to find those guys and gals, just those entities that are like, they are they're, they're going to be supportive. They're going to be fun to hang out with. And they're pretty rare. So um you know besides all that's what you're gonna hear hope, probably hear like not only was he a great musician not only did he make everybody else better but just he was a he was a rare person
0: he he's
1: you're probably finding out he's being remembered for this thing this intangible thing we're talking about it just being
0: like they you know i want to hang out and jam with ethan <laughs> Dude, you've done a wonderful job today um poignantly describing and capturing his his essence and his personality and the way he was. And you're right, you know, it's a definitely a consistent uh thread amongst all the people that I'm talking to. And I'm just learning so much about him and finding out and and my admiration and love for him just keeps growing with each person I talk to because
1: Thank thank you for doing this. When you when you contacted me and said you're doing this, I was like. I was like yeah this makes sense and and cuz that's the thing like he doesn't have any pretense from a busker all the way I don't there's a whole half of people more than a half of people I don't really know or w- was never really friends with like I'm friends with you of course and he he he's friends with everybody and that's just impressive I, I I'm not trying to judge myself too much here, but that's just an amazing skill. And and I think, I think probably you, me, we strive to be, you know, open to people and supportive. So it's just awesome. And and uh, yeah. And it and it's good. It's good to talk to you and and, you know, as part of the grieving
0: process too, and just realize, you know, remember these things. Yes, yeah. definitely. You know, one of the goals of this podcast for me, you know, and, and the and the times that we live in in which he passed away, you just everyone was so isolated and we didn't get that chance to, you know, fly out to Phoenix to see him in the hospital or or be around him or surround him or let him know how much we loved him. And there was just so much left unsaid and undone. And I'm hoping that this, you know, these stories can help us heal from the way he was taken from us, you know. And thank you for being a part of it, Doug. It's so good to see you, man. And, you know, I, th- I feel like this conversation has rekindled a, you know, a friendship that I hadn't thought of for a while. And, and I, th- I think of you every here and there, especially when I look look at that first album or, you know, every once in a while, um, I've still got Jesse on the <laughs> uh, on CD, on a CD that Alan gave me in 2002 or three or whatever. Yeah, and i always wonder over there i wonder what art. i wonder if he's still doing art i wonder if he's doing music and um i'm hoping that we can continue to keep in touch and be in each other's lives from this point on man because you're a super talented cat and hey maybe even in the future we could work on a little bit of music together you know now yeah
1: i'm trying to figure this out where i can do tracks like that because that's where it's at i mean it's been that way for years uh i'll let you go but thank you chris likewise on everything I mean, I am on Instagram, too, and I still kind of crank out art here and there every week. So,
0: Real quick, before we hang up, where can people go? I mean, we've talked about it a little bit in our conversation, but uh, where do people go to see your art or hear your music for anyone that might be interested who's listening? Well, thanks. Yeah, Uh, I'm on Spotify
1: with that band called The Original Juice Boys, and that's just a fun recording project. I'm also on Spotify with a band called Flighty, Flight. Flighty Tronies, t-r-o-n-y-s i i shot you a little email too. Because that's kind of like the okay, last great. pop song. That's the last attempt at a pop song where I sang. And then um, like you said, Bandcamp has my Murgatron stuff. Uh where it's a it's called Murgatron, M-E-R, Murgatron. I pick weird names. And then I'm just on Instagram as Doug Bale. And how about your
0: visual art? Where can people?
1: A, a lot of my visual, I don't have a website per se anymore, but on on my Instagram, there's a little link tree, and you can see me doing like a live song. You can see the book I did. Oh, yeah, that Instagram's pretty good because you know what link tree is, it just links, it says all your little spots, and you can see that book I did and um some of my art and music there. So it's just Doug Bale at Doug Bale that's how Instagram works at Doug Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, I shot you an email, feel free to shoot me an email too. So I can catch
0: up on your stuff. Sounds good, man. Enjoy the, enjoy your time out there in beautiful Palm Springs, California. Yes, sir. And, uh, it was great talking to you and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. All right, Chris, thanks for doing this. Thank you for being a part of it. Of course. Bye, Take care. <laughs> well, that was another great conversation about Ethan. and uh, it's always interesting to me with all of the people that I'm speaking to lately, what their point of view was about their time with Ethan, and how much of an impact he made on them. During our conversation, Uh, Doug gave the information on how to keep up with him and listen to his music and see some of his artwork. And I suggest that you do because uh, it's really good. And one of my favorite songs from Doug that you should look up is called Outside. And the song that first caught my attention uh, when Alan gave me the Murgatron EP, And it's one of my favorite songs that Doug's ever written is called Jesse. And that's on the uh, Murgatron EP that you can find on Bandcamp. I suggest you take a listen to that song because it's really great. So next week's episode will be the season one finale. And then uh, we'll be returning for a second season, the beginning of January 2023. And I'd like to thank all of my guests this season Um, I had some wonderful conversations and learned a lot about Ethan. And, uh, you know, talking about him so often is such a wonderful thing, but it really does make me miss his presence even more. But I have to admit that it does feel uh, like he's around listening to these episodes and enjoying hearing all of you speak about him. And I look forward to speaking to many more people in the future. And I would just like to say that you don't have to be a musician or a very close friend of Ethan's uh, to say something on this podcast. If you have any thoughts about him, please contact me and I'd be happy to uh, speak with you, even if it's only for a few minutes. And you can get a hold of me by sending me a message through the Remembering Ethan podcast Facebook page. This is an open invitation, as Ethan would say, to anyone who wants to participate. So uh, if you do, please reach out and uh, I'd be happy to schedule something with you. And thanks for following this uh, podcast so far. I hope that uh, you're getting something good from it and also that you're enjoying hearing about our brother Ethan and just how special he was. I'm very excited about next week's episode. Please make sure you don't miss it because... I will be speaking with Kathleen Newman, Ethan's mom, and she has been a great help through this journey of mine and is a consultant of sorts on the show and follows very closely and has confided in me that she's enjoyed everyone's conversations and expressed some interest in saying some things herself. So I was just uh, super excited to hear that and I cannot wait to speak with her and uh, hear a little bit about her little dude, Ethan. (laughs) Okay, so that's something exciting to look forward to. Please make sure you come back next week and check that out. I'd like to leave you today with the song Ghost Arrives from Doug's project, The Flighty Tronies, which can be found on Spotify and Apple Music, and I'm guessing most uh, streaming services once again thank you for joining and we'll see you soon